going to turn with me. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to finish up what we'd been talking about before we broke and went for Christmas. And so what I want to do is kind of go back a little bit just for a few minutes and just catch us back up and and the passages that we were reading before we get to this particular verse. Today we're going to be looking at just verse 15. So I really want to go back and look at verses 13 and 14 to kind of connect it back up, all right? Well, actually 12 says this, so let me do this. We'll start at 12. For the equipping of the saints. We've been given jobs. Remember, we, we went through and looked at all the jobs, the work that we have to do. And as we've been given those jobs, all those jobs work for the same end. The end is for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So remember we were to equip equip, and we were to edify. Edify means build up. Our job is not to come in here and to break somebody down, all right? It's not what we're supposed to do. This isn't supposed to be a cheerleading rah-rah section, uh, session though either. So we're not just supposed to come to church and, and just have a good feeling and then leave and, and go, oh, I just love the warm and fuzzies Pastor Tim gives me each Sunday when we go in. That's not what it's all about. We're to equip you So to equip you is to tell you what the job is to do, right? The scripture tells us that through the word. And then we're to edify and build you up in that. So there's a two-part process. And then in verse 13, it says, Until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So we also saw that there has to be maturity. Our job is to grow. We can't just sit and soak and stay in the same place. As we get ready to flip over on the calendar and start a new year, some of you are probably going, oh, Lord, I just made it through another one. How am I going to make it through this one? That It doesn't matter what our age is. It doesn't matter if we flipped over from one decade to the next decade, even in the number of years that we've been alive. It's all about our growth. And how, does our, how do we grow and mature in Christ Jesus? We walk closer with him. So as we walk closer with him, there's less of us and more reliance upon him. So part of maturity is to lay down some of the things that we've been carrying. Are you carrying junk today? Are you carrying burdens? Are you carrying burdens for yourself and for others? The Father says that we are to lay those at his feet, the feet of the Lord Jesus, and let him carry those. He says, pick up his yoke. His yoke is light, and he'll take on those burdens. We don't know what the days ahead lie. We don't know what they will bring. We don't know what will happen after lunch or even if we get to lunch. We're not promised any of those things. Our job is to to be in this moment right here and to live for Christ, all right? And to live for Christ in such a way that it is Him that shines through our lives, all right? In verse 14, it says, As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, and by craftiness and deceitful scheming. So look, there's a lot of things that are going to come at us. So as we mature in our faith, what happens is, is that becomes that maturity becomes like a rudder in our lives. <laughs> I know y'all have never done this, right? So you've done something wrong in the past, and then you start to see it in your children, maybe your grandchildren or your grandchildren, and you go, oh, no, don't do that. I've done that before. You don't want to do that. And you start giving them advice. They're not listening to you at all, are they? All right? They're not taking none of it, but you're sitting there trying to tell them what's going on because why? You've made that mistake before, right? That's a part of maturity. That's part of growing up in life. You don't want to see people repeat those mistakes that you made, nor do you want to repeat those mistakes yourselves, right? So you don't become tossed to and fro by the winds and by the waters of this life, the things that hit us. 
How many people have you seen who are lost who go through the same thing over and over and over and over? You don't ever learn. You're not catching the lesson. So you have to repeat the whole class and do it all over again, right? So we don't want to do that. We want to become mature and so that we're not tossed around by the things that happen in life. Also, we got to understand that there are people out there that are trying to deceive us. Their intentions are not good. I tend to, I tend to land on the side of trusting people too much. And when I place too much trust in people and then there is a breakdown in that trust... It breaks my heart. And so when it breaks your heart like that, it's, a, it's very difficult to rebuild that bridge and stuff, isn't it? It's, it's something that you can't go back. It's like saying something that comes out of your mouth. You can't bring, put it back in, can you? It's like out of the box. It's done. What's done is done. And you just have to start trying to, to rebuild all that. So the problem with that is that there's people out there that are trying to deceive you, trying to deceive me. Their intentions are not your intentions. And look, I've seen this a lot within the church, right? We're all supposed to be on the same team. The Word of God tells us how we're supposed to live our lives, and then you get in there and you start working with people and you start serving people and you start building relationships with people, and then you realize none of those intentions that you thought were on their side was was there. There are people out there trying to deceive us. And then, you know what? There are people that are just flat-out wicked. They're evil. And they are scheming. So know this. Not only is there things out there in our lives that are going to hit us, that are going to toss us to and fro so we need to be mature, we got to look out for the things that are trying to deceive us, but you got to also look out thirdly for the people who are scheming after us. There are people that want to see us fail. There are people out after us. When we're out in the world... And, and we're dealing with the lostness, the darkness that is there. Some of that darkness wants to take us down. And we find ourselves in vulnerable positions sometimes, and we take hits from that. Scripture says that our enemy is what? Is he a lamb? No, he's a lion, isn't it? He's roaring around seeking to what? To destroy and devour us. He's trying to take us out. And so we have to understand that and know that. So when you put all that into background, and then we're going to get to where we are today. So as we're talking about this work, this job that God has called us to do, you see all that's out there, what would be the first thing that comes into our mind? I don't know about you, but over the course of my life, I have developed defense mechanisms, right? When certain people might say certain things, like, trust me, Tim, I'm going to go, whoa, don't say that. You know, or I got this. <laughs> or the one that has always gotten me is I got your back, Tim. <laughs> go on out there, Tim. Tell them what needs to be said, Tim. I got your back. I got your back, Tim. You go ahead. You speak truth, brother. Have at it. I got your back. When he falls out there and makes a fool of himself, I'm out the door, you know. You see what I'm saying? We, we think about these things. So we develop these defense mechanisms, right? 
So sometimes we don't want to do what needs to be done because of things that have happened in the past and because of our defense mechanisms. So when we get to verse 15 right here, this is a real big admonition for us. And it's also a huge step. And I want to tell you something. It's extremely hard. We don't think it's hard. But what I'm about to tell you is really, really hard. Verse 15 says this, But speaking truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. So our job is to speak truth in love. This is the function. This is the functionality of how we are supposed to communicate. We live in an age where communication is different than it was even 10 years ago. These doggone phones right here. They seem like they've been around forever, right? This phone has only been around since about, what, 2007 to 9 is kind of where it was really started taking. We've only had these type of smartphones that have all this stuff for 10 years or a little bit more. And look what they've done to how we communicate. We'll be standing right here. And I'm going to pull up Greer right now and send Greer text right in front of church right here because that's how I need. I can't speak to Greer anymore. You see what I'm saying? I got to just, I got to text somebody and do it back and forth vicariously because we can't communicate. And then because people's words became, became so, it became so cluttered in that way of communication, we put emojis in there. Right? So that you could send a smiley face and go, I'm just kidding. I mean, I mean this, I mean this in a good way. Love you, heart. So now we can't have communications. I had this guy in church one time who would sit there seriously. He struggled. He struggled and I was trying to help him. But he was on some meds. And he liked to homebrew. Meds, homebrew, no mixy. All right? And so I'm working with this guy, you know, we're trying to grow him in his faith. You know, he, he likes, you know, this. And Bible doesn't say, thou shalt not drink. It says, just don't get drunk. So he's making a little brew, but taking some of the wrong. And then my phone would just go crazy. Y'all ever see people like this? He was just a texting fiend at that point. I mean, they weren't just like, hey, how you doing? It was like 14 pages, and I'm scrolling, and I'm going, oh, Lord, what is going on? Y'all don't know anybody like that, do you? There's no face-to-face -face communication going on. I'm like, how am I supposed to respond to this? Got to speak truth. And I got to speak truth in love. And I got to figure out what that means. So here it is. Here's holy speech. How do we articulate the word of God with clarity? The Bible is not a stick that we're supposed to beat somebody across the head with. Do you realize it's actually a book of love? The whole lesson is love? That's what God is showing us. 
His love for us that though we were sinners, he sent his son to die for us. His love for us that though we sinned, he kicked us out of the garden. And though we have to die, he still wants to have a relationship with us and and bring us into an eternal relationship with him because he created us to be that way. And though the world is dying because of sin, he's doing everything to redeem that and bring that back, to reconcile that back. And this is story after story, after person after person, after generation after generation of love. So we've got to learn how to articulate this in that way. So the first thing is what to say. We have to say the truth. We have to be real, genuine, and authentic. Um, I, don't, uh, I don't say this. I say this as this is what people say about me back, all right? I'm not saying this as a a thought to lift myself up. But I've been told over and over and over for the last 20 years as a pastor, you just tell me like it is, Tim. You don't sugarcoat it. You just tell me the truth. It's authentic, Tim. It's real, Tim. I had somebody at candlelight service who's never been in this church before tell me that. On Sunday night last week, last Sunday night, speak about that. It just felt real. How else is it supposed to be? We play games. We try to create atmospheres. We try to create um, not only atmospheres, but a, a, a way of what we think church should be like, a routine. Look, orders of worship. Ooh, if you, have you ever been in a church before? Lord knows if they forgot the prelude or postlude or somebody messed that up, you know, the music going in and the music coming out or if somebody didn't print the right song in the bulletin and the worship folder or, and stuff like that or, or, the, or, or heaven forbid we had, uh, you know, like we had today with technical difficulties and words weren't up on a screen and stuff like that. You see, all of that stuff, that can become law and it become, becomes things that... That cause problems. It's not what God intended. God intends us to have authentic worship, real worship, real relationships with each other. And so that's speaking truth. We've always got to speak the truth. And it's hard. Look, every single one of us have family members or friends or coworkers, or maybe even our children who have things that run counter to what the Bible says is truth. It could be a lifestyle that someone lives. It could be an addiction that someone has. It could be a sin that's a top tenor, meaning, you know, they got issues where they are lying to people or whether, you know, all these other things, whatever it is, top ten, you know, Ten Commandments, that's what I'm going there. Y'all know what top ten is, right? All right. All right, just sure. Y'all were looking back at me, and I was like, I don't, we'll just make sure I clarify. So when you start trying to have conversations with people that are doing those things, it's hard, is it not? It really is. But the, the Lord tells us, the Father, Christ tells us to speak truth. Jesus always spoke the truth. Always. So it does us no good 
to try to sidestep it, which is what we want to do, right? Because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm going to tell you this. I'd rather hurt your feelings and see you in heaven than pander to your emotions and watch you go to hell. So that's what God calls us to do. Now, here's the struggle. How do we do that without making the Bible into a stick? Scripture says this. Let me finish up on truth. Ha, it's already locking me out. I can't, I'm having to learn. Y'all going to have to deal with this for a few weeks so I get this thing trained. So John 8, 43 through 47 says this. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand for the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. But because I speak truth... You do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the word of God. For, his, for this reason you do not hear them, because you are not of God. All right, th that's the struggle with the world. Over and over, in fact, if you go... <laughs> Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 is awesome, right? Because Isaiah chapter 6 is where Isaiah um, sees the throne, sees the Lord sitting on a throne. And he tells about this, about this great experience that he has seeing the Lord sitting on the throne. And chapter 5, go back and read this, all right? I'm giving you homework. Chapter 5 is Isaiah going, woe unto thee, woe unto you, woe unto you, woe unto you. Look at it. Paragraph after paragraph in chapter 5 of Isaiah is him telling everybody what's wrong with them. And in chapter 6, when he sees the Lord sitting on the throne, he says what? Woe unto me because I am a man of what? Unclean lips. See, when he saw the Lord, he saw his own sin. The world can't see the Lord. The Lord wants to save us from that. Tongues took the, uh, you know, from the fire and what? Cleansed his tongue. Then he, did, then he did this, which is great. This is the call for every minister. So I'm cleansing you to go send you out in service. And then the Lord says to Isaiah, I'm going to send you out and you're going to talk and they ain't going to listen. You're going to show them, but they're not going to see. Because they don't have eyes to see, and they don't have ears to hear. So great. The Lord cleansed Isaiah, told him he was going to send him out and use him as a prophet to the nation. But then he told them, they're not going to listen to a word you say. That's tough. We've sent missionaries to foreign countries who've labored years and years and years and years and years without seeing salvations. 
ministering and ministering, trying to learn a language, trying to learn a culture, trying to be, to fit in, to be a part of that, to have identity there. You know, we don't, look around, look around. I want you to look around, look around the whole thing. Who's different here? Who looks, who looks different here? We all do, but but Al has a different skin color here, doesn't he? Do you know something, though? There's so many places where we could go where we're that. You know what we do? We just refuse to go there. Because we don't want to stick out. God calls us to places to do things, to do hard things. But we like to group up where we feel familiar and where we feel comfortable. And we live in these zones. And you know what it does? It puts us in a box. It puts God in a box. And when we don't step out, we can't cross that. God has called us to take the message that he has given us. And he didn't say to take it to Flowery Branch, did he? He said to take it to where? The entirety of the world. He says, take the message. Sometimes we can't physically go there and use our voice to do that, but it's our job. Lottie Moon offering is a part of that. We got to figure out some way to continue to carry the voice, the word of God, the message of God to the uttermost parts of the world. This is a big task. And if we can't speak truth, we don't have the same voice. Second part of this, speak truth. How? In love. <laughs> so not only is it what to say, it's how to say it. With love, sincerity, passionate, and affectionate. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a well-trained husband. My wife is not here today, but for 30 years, she's been training me. You know how she's been training me? Because I say stupid all the time. I'm going to just tell you, if it could come out wrong and say it, that's me. All right? So when she comes out of the closet and she says, how does this look on me? I'm going, man, I really don't know how to say this the right way. You know? How do I speak truth in love? Because the old Tim would have said, man, that makes you look awful, honey. To which the whole rest of my day was ruined. So I learned how to communicate with my wife. And now my kids make fun of me all the time because I over-communicate everything. Do you all over-communicate? Look, I'm about to tell you this, and I'm going to say this to you. I really don't know the right words to use, so I'm going to use these words. I don't know if... This is what I say to my wife. I, I don't know if this is the right word, so if it's not the right word, I need you to help me find the right word that goes here. And then I answer her. <laughs> then I, That's exactly what I do. And that's right. And then I say, was that the right word? And she goes, no, it was not the right word. 
This would have been the better word. Well, that was the word I couldn't think of. <laughs> Y'all think I'm joking. I'm not. So now my kids hate me because when I go to tell a story or something, I tell like 14 backstories because I'm so badly trained. You know what I mean? They may ask me, Dad, why is that black over there, that wall over there like that? How did it get like that, Dad? And I go, well, back in the day when that was first put in the dirt, it came out and, and I'd start. And it takes me 20 minutes to tell them anything. Is that not true, Clay? Hey, look at there. Thumbs up in the back. My kids are going, just give me the facts, man. Just get it over with, Dad. You're killing me. Yeah. And I can't do it anymore because I've been married. And I've been married for 30 years, and I'm so trained. But you know what? I've come to realize I'm okay with it now. Because I would much rather over-communicate and have you truly understand what I'm trying to say to you than to be blunt like a hammer and say the wrong thing. And so I, I would encourage you that if you don't know what to say and you feel like the Lord is calling you to say it, preface what you're going to say. If you were texting a teenager, you'd send a bunch of emojis to try to make them feel okay about what you're about to say to them. So it would come across all right. And we got to learn how to articulate this truth and speak it in love. Because if it doesn't come across with sincerity, then it fails. If it's not genuine, if it's not real, it is empty words. And the Lord tells us that his word does not return what? Void. There is no emptiness in this. So as we're walking through life, trying to do life with other people and teach them, speak to them, mature them, raise them up, it's okay to over-communicate the gospel. Because it's good news. And I think it's perfectly okay for you to say, I don't know if what I'm about to tell, what have I always told you guys on stuff that I'm not real sure about? I got some theology, and my theology may be different from your theology. I've always said, I preface that with what? This is Tim's theology. There's something that's right. This is how I read it, and this is what I think. But God could be what? Could be wrong. I'm not real sure. So this is what I think. This is how I see this. But it's okay if you see this a little bit different. Because you know what? In the grand scheme of salvation, this is not going to keep us or hinder us from heaven. We're talking about some minutia here. We're talking about details. We're not talking about the main things. But every time that you've ever heard me talk about the main things of the gospel, it's always been what? This is how it is. You can choose to live your life this way. But this is what Scripture says about that. So this is how God calls us to communicate. Now, So he says this to us. He says, so speak truth, speak truth in love with sincerity, passion, and affection. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt 
so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So think about this for a second. What does salt do? It brings flavor. It preserves. So it's lasting. Now I want you to think about something. Do you remember certain things that certain people said to you and you've carried them all your life? Maybe it was a little saying that your mama said or your daddy said, or maybe it was something that someone who you saw or esteemed either professionally or even spiritually said something to you one time and you just remember those words. I've told you this before. I said it, I think, in the last few weeks. Don't ask me what I said last week in a sermon because I can't remember. I can't tell you where I went to lunch yesterday. I don't remember all of that stuff. I feel like that when I'm up here, there's, I, I don't ha- I've got an outline, but this is just flowing. Do you get it? And sometimes y'all are going, shut it off. <laughs> but I, that, when I get up here, that's, I try to be in the spirit when I'm up here. So I have not written this out as a manuscript. I'm not trying to read something. I'm not telling you that somebody couldn't have the Spirit of God and write out a manuscript. It's just, it just doesn't work for me that way. And so in doing that, I have said stuff wrong. It's become less and less as I've gotten older. But the first few years, if y'all have ever come to uh, <laughs> hear some sermons, y'all probably would have gone and pulled me over to the side and gone, what were you saying here? What were you trying to communicate to us? I've gone back and looked at outlines from my first few years of preaching. Y'all got three blanks or four blanks. I had 20-something blanks sometimes on Sunday mornings. Those people were writing. We were having to buy new pens like every other week, man. We were running out of ink. I'm like, how in the world could I communicate this kind of stuff? What does Scripture tell us? How is God speaking to us? He is keeping it simple with us, is it not? Is he not? We can over-communicate the gospel and still keep it simple. Don't overthink it. Be like salt. A little dash is good, right? Too much or what? Kill you. All right. So the end of this says this. Well, I'm not going to get, let me close this out. This, what does this bring? You need to understand that when we put these two things together, when we speak truth and love, it brings a secure relationship. Do you know what speaking truth and love brings? Trust. That's exactly what it equates to. If we can't speak truth and love, no one's going to trust us. If our life does not match our words, no one trusts us or believes us. So if you think about things relationally, whether that's with a coworker, a spouse, or with the Lord, we got to speak truth. We got to speak truth in love. Because that brings about a secure relationship for us. Scripture says this in Colossians 2, 18 and 19. Let no one keep defrauding you of the prize by delighting in self-abasement. This is degrading or bringing one down. 
you know, this is called emotional abuse now. Some of you have experienced it relationally, right? Someone in your life may have maybe emotionally abused you. Inflated without cause by his fleshly mind and did not hold fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and the ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. Um, I'll just close with this because I'm, I'm really up on the wall. There was, there was one thing else I was going to say, but I'm not going to say it. The great revivals that we have throughout history were started when people got real with Jesus. I saw that's simply how they all started. The effects of them are huge. But the reality of them is that it just in that moment some people got real with Jesus. When you get real with Jesus, it's infectious. It spreads to a greater extent than any disease that we could ever put here upon this earth. It's the cure. So when we get real with Jesus, we will unleash the spirit within us. When we unleash the spirit within us, our lives just take a different course. They just move to a different level. The things that used to bring distress to us, they don't bring distress to us anymore. The things that used to maybe bring delight to us, they don't delight us anymore. Scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you what? The desires of your heart. So today, I don't know where you are. Maybe you need to have a conversation when you get home with somebody. Maybe there are some things that need to be said. Let me tell you again. If you're speaking with someone who you've had a long relationship with, over-communicate. I don't know if I'm going to use the right word here. And I don't want you to understand. Another thing that was about Tim is Tim's intense. So when I was, when my children were younger, I was like this, you cannot do that. And my children were like, because I was in their face and I was intense. So I had to learn how to say, you, you can't do that. <laughs> that's, that's not right with a smile. Because that's part of my training from my wife. So we've got to learn how to do these things. Why? Because people's lives depend on it. And it hurts so bad. It does. It does. And it's really, really hard. Because sometimes we put off something for so long to try to not hurt somebody's feelings. But we can't always be there that way and it can't go on forever. And what we realize is, is that not only are we destroying them and destroying us, it's destroying relationships with God. It's 12. Have y'all had enough? It's 12 on the dot. I'll stop there. All right? Let me close this in prayer.
Father, I thank you for again for this day and for the blessings of life. I thank you for the fact that when we speak something like this in the church, that people aren't throwing pieces of paper and stuff at me and wanting to get up and walk out, that we're here at 12 o'clock and the attention for the folks that are in this room is just as attentive as it was when I started. Why? Because this is that important. Lord, we love you. And without that love, our life is lost. And in so many ways and in so many different times, we're trying to communicate that with other people. And if they're lost, they just don't get it or see it. But Father, if they, if they know you and are just wandering away, it's even more difficult because we're trying to do what we know is best for them. Father, I pray for receptive ears and receptive hearts and open eyes. Your word is truth. Grow us, teach us how to communicate it with love. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand.